don't know what to do with that big fat butt. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Oh, my. Well, that's the pride of the congregation down there in Miami, Jason Derulo. And if it's what I thought to myself while trying on a new pair of summer shorts at Bloomingdale's, then this must be Dale Radio. And I, of course, am your host, Dale Seaver. Admit it, you've danced in the dressing room. You must have. Sometimes that's the best part of my retail experience. You're listening to another episode of Some Things I Enjoy, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And my, oh my, welcome to another star-studded episode. My guest today is me. What a star! Riding high off the smash hit performance over there on the Running Late with Scott Rogowski program and having a banner week all around, I thought I'd check in with you as me and catch you up to speed on some things that have been going on in my life since the last time I spoke into your ear holes. Let's start with how wet my socks are. I only recently read an article that informed me that major chains make stuff specifically for the outlets, you know, the outlet stores. I had thought when I go to these outlets, I was just getting knockoffs or damaged goods or overstock, things that didn't sell. The same kind of product that you get at, say, a Ross Dress for Less or a TJ Maxx kind of a place, both, incidentally. (laughs) Great places to meet singles, especially in the home goods aisle. My last two girlfriends I met while browsing through the wicker hamper selections at Ross. But apparently the big guys, the J. Crews, the Gaps, they have a whole line of just, there's no other word for it, crappy. A sub-Old Navy-level stuff, and they sell this exclusively at the outlets. It's made for that. So you're getting what you pay for. You pay $7 for a shirt. Probably cost them three to make it. There's no deals, folks. There are no deals. If they can make money off of you, they will. And they will do so handsomely, usually while uh, fooling you. So (laughs) that was certainly the case with this pair of convenience sneakers that I tend to wear on my days off or on short runs to the convenience store, hence my nickname for them. You see, I bought a pair of leather Converse. Leather. I, I want, want to make that clear. Leather Converse. I don't mess around when I'm running errands. They're funky. They're cool. They make me feel young. They do. And I got them at an outlet because they were $10 cheaper than they would have been had I gone to the Converse flagship store over there in Soho. So I get these things, and within four months, ladies and gentlemen, they have developed a split wherein the sole of the shoe has completely separated from the body. So in weeks like uh, this one, where it's cloudy every day and very humid, the humidity has returned to New York City, the days that I need a weatherproof sweater vest, it's just raining all the time, the street water, folks, water that has been on New York City streets, the cleanest water in the world, is seeping through my shoes and right into my gold toes. And all day long, I'm just damp. This is what's going to happen when the waters rise, my friends. Get used to being damp all day long. Speaking of outlet malls, it's no secret that I watched The Game of Thrones. I had tried to avoid it, but then I got into it, and then I got way into it. And I consumed all four seasons in the span of three days. And if you watch it, you know that there's an elaborately animated opening sequence that flies over this map of all the location, locations in the fictional realm of Westeros. And every time they show these places, I can't help thinking that they'd make wonderful outlet malls. Think of it. The shops at Winterfell, King's Landing, River Run, 
discount shopping at the Airy. It makes me want to see a parody of this series. It does where the developers of Westeros battle each other for the best sales team. <laughs> if they put an indoor trolley through there or make it snow inside, something to set them apart from the folks over there. Uh, anyhow, kudos to all the nerds out there who are making uh, maps of fictional places. Cryptocartography is such an interesting way to spend your time. <laughs> I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, let's get together some afternoon. I'd like to make some maps of things that don't exist. <laughs> what fun. So, anyhow, here we are, almost to the end of season six. I am like you. I can't believe it. It has just gone by so fast, and so much has gone on this season that I thought it would be a good time to, to reflect before our final few episodes come, come online. And uh, let me tell you, they're all going to be fantastic. Some of them just came, uh, fell into place today, and I could not be more excited for them. Now, I, like so many of you, keep my goals written in a small gold-leaf-covered notebook that I keep in a metal toolbox under my bed. And every week, I check those goals to see what I've accomplished and what still remains. You may recall that I, as I began this season, I also began a commitment to running every day and trying to avoid, uh, trying to avoid a life of personal mobility scooters and assisted living in my old age. Turns out I might have to put a deposit down on the hover round, ladies and gentlemen, as I have failed to keep my workout regimen. Running is so boring. It means getting up early, I get you get dressed once, and then I get sweaty right away. Then I have to come home and I take a shower and I get dressed for a second time. If I'm going to get up early and get sweaty, well, there's other things I'd rather be doing. <laughs> If you catch my meaning, I'm talking about sex, sexual times, ladies and gentlemen. You see, that's a way to start the day. Now, I never know whether I should have coffee before I go out or after or while I'm running. The music I run to becomes forever associated with exercise, thus just ruining it for regular enjoyment purposes. So good day running as exercise. I'm putting you in the crossed-out goals section, not because you've been accomplished, but because you're awful. Another goal that uh, I have kept to, this is exciting, uh, is drinking less during the shows. Uh, by the way, let me just tell you, I'm pairing the podcast today with something, I'm not sure that I'm pronouncing it correctly, but Eknock, a Highland single malt uh, scotch, Eknock, uh, oh, it has there right on there, pronounced Enoch. Why do they have all the extra letters in this? My goodness. Something you shouldn't mess around with pronunciations is something that you drink that contains alcohol. It shouldn't make it more complicated on us. Just write it how it is. But I guess that's a Gaelic name, home of the Anoch, from the Knock Dude Distillery under Old Black Knock Hill. Well, good for you. Established in 1894. That was a wonderful year. Anyhow, this is a 12-year-old, and I got a recommendation there that that would be good uh, for summer because, you know, sometimes in the summer I like to switch over to bourbon because the scotch sometimes is a cold-weather drink. Ah, so anyhow, <laughs> like I said, oh, I, I used to get pretty soused during the live episodes and some of the not-so-live ones. <laughs> Ones, let's be honest, but I now have a wonderful routine with this with this place that I do the shows now up there at the pit. I get off of the six train, I head directly to the English Bar of the Globe. I have a Macallan Twelve neat with some water, and then I head to the theater. Sometimes I'll grab a dollar pizza, and it's worth exactly that. Then then at the pit they have a reasonable bar there, 
a lot of uh, rope lights. There's no problem with that. Some of my best evenings have been spent under rope lights. And uh, there I'll have a second McAllen, and then that's it. Then I'm done. I'm good. Two servings, way better than a bottle. That's what I've learned. And then I take a taxi home. You know, I've lived in New York uh, City for a while, and, and I've never been a taxi man. But since this venue is a wee farther than just over my beloved Gowanee, I, I take the easier path of the cab to get across the Brooklyn Bridge and back home, and I love it. I love having the window down and racing through the streets and paying a reasonable sum for the privilege to be above ground, and, and then I can listen. This is what it just, it's, this is what being an entertainment uh, entertainer, uh, this is what being an entertainer feels like uh, to me. A solo ride late at night in a cab headed home is just perfect. And if I could pay for all of my audience to take a cab ride home, I would. <laughs> I would. In fact, some night I will. I'll add that to my goal book. If this thing ever takes off, mm, <laughs> doubtful. I promise to get cabs for everybody, and we'll just have a wonderful. We'll have a wonderful time. I'd like to do that for you. That's how much you mean to me. All in all, though, um, my goals have been have been pretty well met. We started working with a PR gal. Uh, we've been listed in Time Out more often. We've got some terrific photos of the shows, more video content. We continue to have amazing guests. If you look at that list on there, my goodness, what people have been on this show. I've also been thrilled to do more guest spots on other people's shows. I mean, how fun has it been uh, to see me on the Running Lake with Scott Rogowski program? You know I used to host the show from 91 to 99. I'm basically the Boris Yeltsin of that program, and I'm honored to be welcomed back into the fold. It just feels so good to have, um, you know, sometimes you get into these kind of entertainment riffs, or you, you, get, you get a kind of a, a bad uh, relationship going, and it takes a while to heal that and to repair the damage, but we've done it. And uh, it's really, I was just there recently. I was sharing my summer tips for drinking alone. If you haven't watched the clip, oh my, go, go, go look that up. Call it up on your machine. It's good fun, and it could help you out if you need a place to drink by yourself this summer. And really, we all do. Uh, that program uh, was a lot of fun, doing this one that we just did, the, the Rogowski deal there. And people ask me all the time, Dale, uh, 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 incidentally, I was going to answer your questions from Twitter. There were none, so I I, uh, I don't have anything to answer. So I'll tell you about this one, because some people once asked me this. They said, Dale, what's it like to be backstage at these high-profile events? And I tell them, it is glorious. Oh, you get into that green room on some of these big-budget shows, and I see how the other half lives. There's a lady there, Bella. She's from Florida. I don't know, maybe Croatia. Somehow, some kind of connection. She bakes cookies for every show at the, at the Rigowski program. We all love them. We all eat the cookies. She says, here are the cookies. We say, thank you, and we eat the cookies, and we say, aren't they good? Yes, they are. It's, all we, it's a real icebreaker. It's fantastic. The atmosphere is just buzzing, like being inside a beehive, minus the constant stinging. <laughs> Remind me to tell you about my week at Honey Camp. <laughs> People keep wanting to know who's killing the honeybees. It's me. I spray those suckers with a chemical cocktail of destructive fungus every chance I get. I don't even like almonds. <laughs> Good luck. Anyway, yes, it is hectic back there. There are multiple producers shouting into cell phones. They're arranging for rides for everybody, impress people, making the guests feel at ease. 
I get in and I make a point to get there early and get settled in because they have these just the tiniest water bottles I've ever seen backstage at the that's a little field is where it's at. And I grab a handful of those little bottles and uh, <laughs> I empty the bladder in the Home Depot special that's the powder room over there. Oh, this is right on the Gowanus, so you know that the plumbing leads right out into there. And then Scott and I usually have to run over our bit, so we hit the stage, we do that, and then I wait. And part of that means I get some ex- extended time with Marty Rogowski. That's Scott's dad. He, he's the, the, what do you call it, sidekick <clears throat> on there. And I'll tell you this, he's very concerned about Scott's career, and uh, we have a good time laughing about that. (laughs) I tell him it's a long road. And speaking as someone who hosted that show back when it was popular, I tell him maybe he should scale back his expectations. We laugh and we have a tiny bottle of water, and then we do our thing and get the crowd on their feet chanting for us. This last show I was on, we also had the terrific Adam Resnick. He co-created The Get a Life show, uh, one of my favorite television programs of all time with Chris Elliott, writer for Letterman. and just He's just a great guy. We had a lot of fun talking about Dave and growing up in Pennsylvania. And uh, that's always a favorite topic of mine. Brooks Whelan, you might recognize him from Saturday Night Live. He's on the program. Humble is what I'd say. A very serious fella. He was having some kind of conversation with his lady friend on the phone, so I think he might have been a little preoccupied. Turns out he's office mates with our friends this year, Zameda. And I took trapeze lessons with her during the, during the old web, web series days. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> SNL, though I'll tell you, it sounds like a real grind of a show to be on. But Brooks had a wonderful perspective on the whole thing. I appreciated it. It just it was, What an amazing experience for any young person to go through. And uh, we certainly wish them all well. Steve Buscemi was there. No big deal. I could not have been nicer to me. He caught my set. was very complimentary. I tell you something. He's a real guy. This is He's a, a just funny, working class, and a regular Joe. And he had some friends with him, big fellas who worked in construction. We got along famously, of course. And I gather he's got a new web series himself about a park bench or something, so be sure and check that out. He was really enjoying talking with Brooks about how the SNL works, and uh, and Steve did his bit, and I tell you, this, is, this impressed me. He stood backstage from the aisle, and he watched all of Brooks's stand-up set. The hour was late, he was done, he could have just faded off into the night, but that's a quality person right there. In my eyes, that that's the, the measure of the man, and he, he watched, and he laughed through the whole set, it was very complimentary, and uh, he, even, he let me get a, a quick photo with him, which was very generous, and... Um, that photo uh, of just is beautiful. Shows how large my head is compared to his. <laughs> I think he's standing behind me a little bit. <laughs> anyway, it was a great time all around, and I, w- I was tickled to do it, and hope we we get to do it again uh, another time. Now, recently, a gal that uh, uh, I dated once or twice, she posted, "I love you" on my profile page. Too little, too late. I'm afraid <laughs> should have made the move when we had that pizza on the rooftop of the mechanic shop in Tucson. The New Yorker last week was all about old flames, and the takeaway for me uh, from that uh, issue was that Tobias Wolf has one less knuckle. I did not realize that. But uh, I guess that that's what got me thinking, the old flame part, not the knuckle. He had a little piece in there about it. But uh, just thinking about that kind of stuff, the fact that she posted, I love you, also also got me thinking of it. But I've had the good fortune to care for so many wonderful women in my life, and truly, I've loved them all. Well, not all, let's be honest. There was a little bit of a 
creepy gal with some real low bangs that created an online profile just to meet me. And even if that were true, probably best to just keep that inside. I don't need to know that part of the story. That could come out years later and we'd all just laugh. But right on, right on, right up front, that was a little, that spooked me. It did. But anyhow, now, just as uh, my latest relationship has fallen apart, I tend to think about some of those old gals and one would be tempted to look them up. But I try not to do that. <laughs> I have some restraint there. You just have to accept that they moved on and so have you and that destiny has intervened for all the right reasons. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about these lovelorn people who then do something nuts to express themselves. And I just want to say, if I can be serious for a moment, have some respect for yourself and for each other. You have value, and so do they. The way through life is to remember that. It's very simple. All right, what else can I solve here? Ah, <laughs> the keen listener among you will also no doubt that I've been a little more, a bit more explicitly focused on, on Lost these last few episodes. That's real. That you're not, you're not imagining that. You're not just listening to me and, and feeling sad. <laughs> it, it ha I think this is, in part, it's coming to terms with some of the events in my past with family members and, of course, uh, the divorce, other failed relationships. This year has not been without significant loss, some scary moments in the extended Seaver family. So I want to acknowledge on this show, uh, first, uh, the, the passing of a great influence on my life. A family friend who always assisted when I was young, very encouraging to myself and so many other uh, quirky kids. I think I was a quirky kid. Anybody who wanted to pursue a life in theater or the arts, something like that, it wasn't kind of a, a jock or, or a real, uh, you know, top of the ac academic list. Um, Renee Fitzgerald was her name. She passed a month or so ago, and I was fortunate to speak at her memorial. And I did so in a way that I think she would have appreciated. <laughs> to be honest, I, I, I killed. <laughs> I did. It was the perfect lineup. I filed an African drum corps and a lady talking about spiritual suitcases. So, you know, pretty good solid lead for my brand of comedy, just right in the sweet spot. I should have brought some more cards, because I definitely think the memorial circuit is an untapped market. <laughs> And given the ages of some of my friends, I think it could work out to be quite lucrative. But I do want to convey to you how much uh, Rini meant to me. This is an important person, and uh, uh, she meant enough uh, uh, to me that I have to have to joke a little bit about it to cover up the sadness. The fact is, she's a great lady and a wonderful support, as I said, to so many people. The oddballs, uh, the ones who could sing along to the entire original cast recording of Catch, and uh, she just had an embrace for this type of a person, and she helped so many of us realize our silly visions, and uh, even telling us that they weren't so silly. And some of them, uh, many of, of the people that she assisted with, are still doing what they were doing then, which I think is a great testament. And uh, she will be uh, greatly missed by me and many. And uh, to her two fantastic daughters there, Lauren and Nora, thank you for including me in the memorial. In all seriousness, uh, I appreciate it, and I appreciate being a part of your lives. Friendship, folks, hang on to it. Well, what else is going on here in the... Uh, in the depression trough. <laughs> you know, I, I want to tell you this kind of stuff because I think it's important that you, that you know me uh, and you understand where some of the, some of the uh, you know, some of the comedy comes from. Uh, for instance, Father Seaver has been in and out of the hospital of late. It uh, seems like he's out of the woods, but, uh, boo, we don't like to see our folks down and out, do we? 
I do like I go I like going to these nice suburban hospitals though. My goodness, so much space. I could just walk right in, no security. And the view is just trees swaying back and forth. I was tempted to catch a stomach bug just so I could recover in that nice room. There was a time uh, way back during uh, the, the really uh, difficult times with Jenny, some of the, the, the hard, hard parts of our relationship when we were battling it out there. And uh, one of those Dale, you better sleep on the fold-out couch days in Hayward that I, I considered how nice it would be to be institutionalized, to just wear loose-fitting white clothes and have mediocre meals delivered to me as I stared out the window. Now, I don't have those uh, kinds of thoughts much anymore, but visiting old Pop in the hospital sure brought back some good memories. And I should say that um, as much trouble as she is, my niece Katrina and baby Pepsi sure have made it so that I don't have the downtime needed to have those thoughts anymore. Or any thoughts, really. I think if you're in the right situation, you should have kids. <laughs> it's a great way to get outside your own head. For instance, this week I took Pepsi to an event uh, I would never have gone to on my own. I'll say it in all honesty. This thing was called Wormfest 2014. I can only imagine in previous years the success that they had. This is an event held at a little public garden down the street from us. Uh, Jemima Kirk from the girls program on HBO is apparently a member of this little garden society. So there's that. And uh, if you wanted to see her wearing her shirt backwards with a hole in it, <laughs> they're just like us. Celebrities are just like us. Anyhow, if you, if you were into seeing her make some butterfly masks, well, this was the place to be. <clears throat> I didn't know that going in. I just figured it was something to do on a warm uh, Saturday afternoon that would give Katrina much-needed rest and the opportunity to put more of her hair on the floor. I honestly do not understand what she thinks happens to the hair when she just pulls it out and drops it. She claims she puts it all in one spot, but that does not explain how I end up finding it on every surface of our of our home. I vacuumed the air conditioner because a swirling gyre of her hair was caught in the vent. I thought it was a possum <laughs> when I first saw it. I watched her yesterday as she's cooking. First of all, thank you for cooking dinner. I appreciate it, Katrina. It's wonderful. Excellent cook, and I enjoy uh, having a, a hot meal here uh, when I come home. But uh, then she's using the salt, and I don't think she had the extra. And in some uh, traditions, I guess, she, she threw the salt over her shoulder. Now, maybe that's something you do in the old days when you had a dirt floor, if you're in the restaurant business. But in a, in a home, I'm gonna, I, have to, I have to walk over there, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be walking in salt and, and hair, probably. I guess it's good luck, but I wish using the dustpan was also good luck. <laughs> anyway, so Pepsi and I headed down to this garden to see these worms. And I'll say this. Wormfest 2014 was tragically underwhelming in the worms department. In exchange for my email address, and I really, I can't wait for the worm updates. Please, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, we went inside this little fenced-in area and we got to work on some craft projects because who doesn't love craft projects on a hot day? And we checked out this enormous bin full of rotting fruits and vegetables that was the compost heap. I've seen compost heaps before. We used to have one up in Vermont where we'd uh, take some vacations. And I had to take the little plastic triangle that Trudy kept next to the sink, and I'd empty it into a giant pile of earth uh, behind the kitchen. I'm very familiar with coffee grounds, eggshells, and bits of rhubarb as they decompose into rich, delicious black soil. I do not need to give anyone my email address to see this. But there it was. 
I gather they even had uh, gloves for the kids to put on and move the decaying trash around for a glimpse at the one of what I was told was 22,000 worms that were just wriggling and writhing away in the filth. New York, it's a wonderland, folks. <laughs> Only here would we take kids to a special place to put their hands in trash to see worms. Oh, at least we didn't have to take the subway to get there. Now, smartly, uh, and baby Pepsi takes after her uncle and would prefer not to immerse her hands in a giant box of night crawlers, so we made a mask, we filled a Dixie cup with soil, and we got a free sunflower seed, and then we proceeded to overwater many rows of peas and spring onions and boxes of mint. We did, uh, however, say hello to some nice friends of the program, and we saw some of Pepsi's friends from her school classes. She's doing well, thank you. And, uh, of course, I tried not to point out that Jemima Kirk was wearing her shirt inside out. I don't know. Maybe that's how she gardens. <laughs> I don't if she's going to get dirty or put her hands in filth, you might as well have your shirt backwards. Ah, let's see. But for next time, and I say this because I did not see a suggestion box, and I assume that the Wormfest organizers will be listening to this uh, program, probably. Uh, so I'm just going to say it now. Please uh, include more visible worms in Wormfest 2015. Uh, for instance, an aquarium full of worms, perhaps multiple glass boxes. Let me see them from uh, a, a safe distance and not under a pile of rot. I'd also like to just bring up the worm presence. I'd like to play worm bingo, maybe have some kind of fishing or some worm recipes. We do not need to actually eat worms, but I think we could do with someone in a worm costume. I do not want to be that person. Do not take my endorsement of this idea as some kind of volunteering. Uh, but I think we could hire a real pro to make this event sing. Singing worms, not a bad idea. Think on it. Ah, and lest we forget, in our special Dads and Grads roundup, I can only, uh, you know, I like saying it like this. Dads and Grads. <laughs> I don't know why that gives me such a thrill, but whenever I see dads and grads, I don't know why, but uh, that's what happens. And when I when I when I hear it, I picture the card aisle at CVS every time. So good work, CVS. You make me think of you one time a year. I, you know, I just it's, it's saying that uh, I think about all the great CVSs I've visited over my years, but I just now remember the very awful CVS that was on Thayer Street in Providence. What a place that was. You never met anyone less interested in working at a CVS than the employees of that CVS. <laughs> That's saying a lot. Anyhow, in the grad portion of her program, oh, let's say congratulations to a grad in the family, Megan Riemann, friend of the program. She's a resident out there in Mason, uh, Ohio, and we all spent the weekend out there in, in, the, in the Buckeye State. She's a distinguished Buckeye. Uh, we were once again put up in the spacious, spacious home of uh, Silas and Kitty Watson. So our thanks to Silas and Kitty. Kitty has really inspired Pepsi in her eating habits, by the way, and as she now has to start every day with ice cream, just like Kitty does. So thank you. Thank you, Kitty. Young Megan, uh, she'll be going out there to the big university or dream school. You know, I went out. Out, out, out there to look at schools when I was a boy. And aside from uh, them having a kind of lackluster mold-making program, just too big, too many students for me. For this guy, I needed to know that I was, you know, kind of a big fish in a small pond, which is why I podcast. Anyhow, uh, just, just, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. It was like its own city. But then we're sitting at this graduation. It was held in a college sports arena. 
and I get the sense that this young lady is going to do just fine in that sprawling campus. 800-some kids, 815 kids, something like that, all just, just filling the, this, this stadium and all the parents all the way around that. My goodness, they all just went up there and accepted their... It took hours. I mean, I was thankful to be out of the sun, but my goodness, it's a lot of names to read. Oh, we probably could have used one less speech. Again, I, d I did not see a suggestions box, but I'm going to put this out there. People always kind of overproduce these meaningful life events, whereas, and I, I realize there may be a contradiction here, but I think that Wormfesh is on the other end of the scale. They needed more production. They needed to bring it up a little bit. I'm looking for that happy medium, somewhere between a stadium full of high school children and air cannons and, and a singing a worm costume. That's all. That's the sweet spot. That's what we're all trying to get to. Uh, also, uh, Principal Stewart, maybe one less reference to dancing in the rain as a metaphor for being who you are. I think we got it the first five times you brought it up. I walked through the rain today. I did not feel a new sense of self. I felt wet. But it was wonderful to see so many eager young people. My goodness, you just think the future is so bright. So bright. And we wish them all well, don't we? And a happy Father's Day out there to all the young fathers and some of the old fathers, too. And even to those who didn't realize they were fathers, good on you. <laughs> and surprise. <laughs> Hope breakfast in bed makes up for it. Well, we'll be gearing up for the last couple of episodes here, folks, of the season. A march of excellence that continues right through the season finale, spectacular, on Wednesday, June 25th. I'm going to be joined by uh, Jean Grey. My goodness, the wonderful rapper, director, and uh, comedy enthusiast, Jean Grey. Uh, comedian Nikki Glaser. Comedian Streeter Seidel. And uh, a comedian and songstress. Uh, I think she founded the New York City F Funny Song Festival, something like that. Jessica Delfino. Uh, it's going to be a great one. We're going to be giving away some stuff, making a major announcement at that show. Well, why didn't I say that earlier? <laughs> I got a whole dike to it. It's a secret. So I do hope you'll come by 8 p.m. at the pit in the underground. New York City tickets are online, uh, $10 and $8. Uh, all right. Yes, at the pit, where great things happen. That's not their motto. I just put that down there. something I wanted to say. <laughs> Till next time, I'll be fashioning a new pair of sneakers out of my empty whiskey bottle labels and fishing line and hoping they get me through to fall. Now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is written and produced by James Bewley, musical director Steve O'Reilly, season six theme song composed and performed by Katie Mullins, season six podcast icon designed by Sunil Manchikanti. Logo treatment for Dale Radio is provided by Daniel Spencer Levine. You can listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Please remember to rate and review us, follow us on Twitter, or find us on Facebook. Many thanks. You're the best. <laughs>